Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome, listener, and thank you very much for joining us. My name's Gaz, I work in the, the brewing industry, I'm a, a keen home brewer, I'm an enthusiastic drinker, a real big fan of podcasts, especially interview-based podcasts like this is going to be. I'm not claiming to be an expert in any of these things, in fact, far from it. You know, I feel I haven't even begun to explore the tip of this particular iceberg. All I am is, is an enthusiast. Oh, episode five time, back again. I hope you enjoyed listening to Mark from Runaway last week. I'm sure you'll agree he was a right good lad. He's a real sound guy, Mark. I really enjoyed chatting to him. And I'm looking forward to getting over and again and saying hi sometime in the future. Today we've got something slightly from the left field... But I like to think it's a right treat. Everyone that we spoke to for the podcast has been from the brewing industry. So brewers, directors, bar owners. But I just wanted to do something a little bit different. And this week we're going to be chatting to my mate Tom, a.k.a. Falco Zapper. I think a lot of people have someone who's who's guided them along the way in, in their beer journey. And Tom is definitely that guy for me. When I moved back up north from living down south for a number of years, I was very much a, a real ale man and I hadn't really begun to delve very deeply into the craft beer scene. And it was meeting Tom... Coupled with a few other things at the same time, getting more heavily into home brewing. Just being being in this part of the world, I suppose, there's, the beer scene in Le- around Leeds is so vibrant and rich. There's so many up-and-coming breweries and people just starting out at this, at this time. I suppose that was encouraging as well, but Tom has, has lived a beer life already and he's... And I was able to, to, I was able to, really tap into his experiences and learn a lot from him. 
and just get some guidance and and I don't mean to sound like it was some schooling programme. Essentially, we were getting pissed and chatting about these fucking awesome beers we were drinking, but it really helped, and I'm sure a lot of you out there will have a similar story. Someone who helps you just helps you along your way a little bit. And I wanted to just to just to capture a bit of a chat between us, really. We just sat down one day and, and talked about his... his uh, his drinking habits, I suppose. <laughs> he spent a lot of time in America, and you'll hear all about that. And I think it's an interesting story. I hope to exploit him a little more in the future. I recorded a few reviews and things with him, which I wasn't 100% happy with, but who knows what we'll do in the future. Hopefully, we'll be able to get him on again. But yeah, this is a little chat with Tom. Well, today I was I was I was walking Pipey and I was thinking what can how can we do something that how can we get Tom in the podcast more? How can we how can we do some more reviews and I don't really want to do too many reviews or what what can we do? So and I was thinking, well, why why can you not be a valid interviewee? So I want to put you in episode five, I think. Okay. As, as the uh, as the interview, I'm sure you, you, you there's not. I'm sure there won't be many people going. Oh hello, yeah. Let's say uh, Tom's doing a oh, Tom Griffith's oh, doing an interview on on that time time too. Yeah. <laughs> so, in in the in the uh, intro, which you haven't heard at this stage, mm. it does say if you've anyone with interest and opinion. Mm about beer is a valid guest for this show and I'm I'm sure I'm presuming I'm right in thinking that you've got interest interest and an opinion I don't about valid interest <laughs> and opinion so yeah so I thought right well let's fucking do it then so great hopefully hopefully because I, I like the idea of it being a relaxed conversation and um, and it's easier to do that with someone you, you're well acquainted with so hopefully we can achieve a uh, Nice, yeah, a nice little episode, yeah. So, you left the UK mm-hmm. to, to live abroad in America, yes. in specifically Chicago, in what year? In 2005. 2005. And up until that point, what what were you drinking, generally? What were your beer habits? What were you, I'm not asking for you, mm-hmm. you to weekly units, but what, what type of thing were you drinking? Where were you drinking? Well, I think um, by that point, um, I'd, I'd gone beyond my student days of just looking to see whatever was cheapest. Yeah. Which, which um, actually, before we carry on, mm-hmm. uh, I should say you're a mathematician, and I'm sure you you once told me on that very subject you worked out a formula. Did you work out a formula for getting the pissed I, I, as, for as cheaply as possible? Or something, best best value for money for the for the alcohol consumed or alcohol purchased. Yeah. Yes. I, I think other people might have used uh, a similar system in the same boat, yeah. but um, you, you take the ABV yeah. and the uh, amount, the volume, uh, the amount you've got, and then divide the li- it. Liquid volume. Liquid volume, so the number of litres, and then you divide it by the price. Sometimes then there's some extra maths to do if there's a, a buy one, get one free offer, or, or it's like a two for a fiver offer, something like that, but... Um, 
the principle still remains. What, what you pay is dividing <laughs> the, uh, the content multiplied by the volume. And what, what, what often came out on top? <laughs> Uh, Safeway's own brand cider. Was that, oh, was that the clear winner? It was such a clear winner that they would sell it by the two-litre bottle and three-litre bottle, and the three-litre bottle was usually better value for money, but once the two-litre bottle was 50% extra free, making it a three-litre bottle. Uh, and so that was better, but all of them had gone, so it was a big hole uh, in, in the bit of the shelf where they had two-litre bottles for sale. The three-litre bottles were still for sale, the same size as these yeah. two-litre ones with 50% extra free, but cost more. And they were still the best offer out of everything remaining in the shop. And it was with some loathing that I bought one, looking wistfully at the, you know. <laughs> with a different label, this self-same bottle could be oof, a good 40 pence cheaper, probably. <laughs> so you must have drank a fair old bit of that in the student days? Um, a, a few uh, three-litre bottles of, yeah, old English cider. Or nice. Safeway's own brand version. Sorry, I brought you uh, brought your chain then. No, you, uh, not what, at all. So what was going on before well, you went to move to America? Um, so I was probably mainly landlord at pubs. Um, that was definitely and still remains, you know, one of my favourite mm. session beers of its ilk. Um, I would be turning my nose up, I suppose, at things like Carling, and if I was looking to get a, a lager, I'd perhaps think Bex was a reasonable lager. Uh, maybe I'd think. Carlsberg Export was a reasonable lager, um, and I wouldn't. I'd sometimes have a pint of Caffrey's. Um, some of those draft flow yeah. cans seem quite appealing. Uh, the idea of spending ooh, a fiver on a on a three thirty <laughs> mil bottle of beer would have been uh, absolutely out of the question. It's yeah, the prices have certainly increased, but so has the quality. Mm. So has the quality, and then you move to America. And were you instantly immersed in, in the American beer world? Not at all. Um, I, I still thought that America had inferior beer to us. And the first thing that I was worried about was um, not being able to have a good car scale, a good um, real ale, a good camera style real ale. And that is fetishised a bit in the States, and a few breweries try to do it. Um, and when it, so the first thing I would try to do was their version of British ale, and I wasn't that impressed by yeah. it, uh, to the point where I, when I was homesick once in the first year, I was there, and instead of getting some American beers, I bought a case of Bass. Right. And then I realised I never drink Bass in England, so how's this going to help with my homesickness? Uh, but, yeah, the... Have you got some Safeways on cider? If only that existed over there. Well, actually, the uh, Dominic supermarkets, I think, were linked with Safeways and had similarly branded stuff, but no cider, no. sadly. So what was it after that? Um, so you had some Goose Islands, Honkers. Goose Island was Chicago's brewery at the time. Right. It was only really that and Rock Bottom, which was a brew pub. And that was near where my wife worked. So sometimes I go to Rock Bottom, and some of their own brews were quite interesting. Right. So I was getting a little bit, a little bit off the map there, and trying some different beer styles. Some of the some of the styles we're more familiar with these days, big IPAs and uh, IPAs, um, red ales, yeah. which I don't think I'd had anything other than an Irish red yeah. maybe before, um, and some Hefeweizens and um, pill. Oh, a lot of them did Kulsh's. That was the one thing that did impress me with American beer, is I did like a Kulsh before, once I'd been to Cologne, yeah. and um, really enjoyed drinking Kulsh there. And most breweries there in the summer, they'll do a seasonal Kulsh. Right. And that's 
Uh, that was a, a welcome surprise. Then at Christmas one year, there was um, a seasonal Goose Island came out called Bourbon County Stout. Right. I'd never heard of it before. It wasn't that famous. You could buy a four-pack for the same price as a six-pack of other beer. And what year are you talking here? That would have been about 2006, right. I think, maybe 2007. Yeah. Um, and got that, and I didn't give it the respect that I now know it deserves. Mm. But I don't think anybody was giving it that respect at the time. It was kind of a, a, a test. It was a. Do you think it's improved in that time? I don't think it's improved. I, I think it's uh, it was it was very good to begin with, but people weren't ready for it. I certainly wasn't ready for it. Um, I think I drank one very very cold, so you couldn't get the mm. whole flavours from it, and found it a bit stodgy right. and, and difficult to drink lots of. Yeah, but uh, that's the kind of the point of it. Exactly. Now. The yeah. idea of drinking beer from a small glass, which I would do now, and perhaps sharing a, a 3.30 bottle with, with two or maybe three people. Uh, that wouldn't have occurred to me at the time. It split a six-pack at, at, at worst. Yeah, going, in, going with, mm. with no frame of reference mm. for that style of beer at all, and maybe being accustomed to drinking a stout, but going into that, mm. approaching it in the same way as you would a session strength stout, mm. it is going to be too much, isn't it? That, you, know, you need to take your time or something like that. I think the other thing that um, changed my context of drinking it was the fact it was a high ABV beer, and the only high ABV beers I'd had before then had yeah. been things like Special Brew and Tenant Super yeah. or um, Gold Label, right, which yeah. Gold Label was the, the drink that made me think I don't like barley wine, and I, I didn't touch a barley wine for years and after What that. was the drink which made you realise you do? Uh, it was some of the uh, really good breweries, once I got into beer in the States, um, that had done a, a high ABV beer I'd liked, like a, a barrel-aged bourbon. Having a, a barrel-aged barbe- barley wine, and I thought, well, mm. that's at le- even if I don't like barley wine, maybe the barrel-agedness can bring out yeah. some flavours, and that was fantastic. Um, I think that was by Flossmoor Station. Right. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll try other barley wines too. So I think I had a dogfish head one. Yeah. Um, what's that? An old ale. Some of the some of the, the some of the beer style names can kind of merge into each other. A bit. Old ale's a style you well, I don't see a great lot of. Yeah. It's a real like Harvey's old ale when we mm. lived down in Brighton. You should drink quite a bit of that. That was a, that was a nice beer, especially in bottle. Yeah, old ale. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to get on a bit An more old American ale. strong, which is quite close to what they call an American barley wine. I suppose American barley wines are more carbonated than yeah. an English one and definitely stronger and a bit hoppier. Yeah. And then... So the... It's developed. Yeah, it developed. At the, then, then as far as beer events go, it was still the rock bottom uh, where every month or so they would have a new beer on. Uh, they'd uh, a seasonal beer, and they'd have a free tapping. So if you're part of their loyalty card, um, they'd send you an email saying they're having a free tapping. So I thought, oh, I wonder what you have to do. You'd have to eat a meal to get a free beer or, or something, or a voucher. And it was much more casual than that. The, the brewer's standing there with the, with the keg, and you go over and he pours you some. And when you've finished it and you want some more, you can go back. Everyone everyone with a loyalty card can just drink that night well, for free. Well, they, they didn't even really check the cards. Right. Um, I mean, because anybody can apply for a card whenever they yeah, want. Yeah. 
So I was thinking to myself, I couldn't see this working in Britain. Um, there'd be a mad rush for it and people would be downing pints and forcing their way back to the front. Yeah. Uh, but everyone was a lot calmer. So you, my, my instant urge to quaff it and get neck it and get a second yeah. one was... Um, uh, overcome you by quite, my slight quite social so awareness. You weren't yeah. quite so worried about mm. about it all being gone in the first half hour. And I was also worried about making myself look like uh, some like stereotypical Brit. Yeah. <laughs> Boorish Brit. So then after that, there was uh, some people I would see at these events. Yeah. Cheers. That's nice. Mm. Wild Child Instant Hobo. Bourbon Imperial Stout. It's quite sweet at the front. Yeah. It's just not quite got the body at the back as no. that, that you'd expect from a lot of Imperial Stouts, but it's nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also a little thinner than I'd mm. have expected yeah. in, in mouthfeel. Certainly not that kind of treacly pour mm. you, can, you can sometimes yeah. get. Let's have a look at how... Can't see much light through it yeah. to be fair. Like it's cold, isn't it? A little bit around the top. Although it's not very light out here, I suppose. I mean, it's no. On the a gazebo in the rain. So, anything. So, so, the other significant events, and I'm trying to order them. Uh, so, there's going to the, those um, tappings, there was um, having some people that I used to go to concerts with and finding mm. one of them was um, a, a beer nerd and telling me that there are some events I ought to go through and particularly was talking about a bottle share uh, held at Goose Island Brew Pub and it was on the first Tuesday of every month and everyone was encouraged to bring about $10 worth of beer but not a six pack, uh, ideally one beer or maybe two beers um, and I, they should be either beers you couldn't get in the area mm -hmm. or quirky one-off beers or, or new ones sort of fresh off the line. So I turned up there with mine, thinking, right, that's $10 worth of beer. I don't want them, them all to be... These look really nice. I don't want them all to be quaffed and um, suddenly find there's nothing else nice there. Mm. Again, I was a bit cagey, but everyone was very generous. There was plenty of beer there. You, you, Nobody you, pours themselves a big pour. Yeah. Everyone's very respectful. So, so you're just, walking around with your so you open bottles. Out, there's some ice, ice buckets, you yeah. just put them in. Yeah. Uh, you might want to stand near your ones, and then if somebody's pouring themselves some, you can tell them about right. it and have a little discussion, tell them where you got it from, if yeah. they like it, and or why you brought it yeah. there. Um, and then in addition, Goose Island would lay on a few nibbles and have a keg of a prototype or a new beer mm. they were about to do. And it was all free, mm. which is apart from the beer that you brought. How many people were something like that attracting? Around 50. Right. Uh, out of which I'd say there was a good 30 that were regulars that were there yeah. every time. Mm. Oh, you, you did that a number of occasions? Uh, well, it was the first Tuesday of every month, yeah. so I'd end up trying to do it as often as I yeah. could. It didn't clash with anything else. Did you ever bring anything over from here and take it to something like that? I did. Um, and, in fact, one year I brought three Timmy Taylor's landlords with me for me. Uh, one of them I was going to have at Christmas. I think one of them I might have said I'll, I'll uh, drink with an episode of Doctor Who. Right. <laughs> and a packet of Seabrook's crisps that I brought <laughs> over. Um, and the other one I'd have whenever I felt particularly like I, I wanted to have it. 
And on the website Beer Advocates, uh, they recognise 110 different beer styles, or maybe more now. And each each beer style then will have one that's got the highest ranking of all of them. Mm. And for for landlord, that's the highest ranking of its beer style, which is something like English strong. Um, so somebody got in touch with me when. It, it got mentioned that I'd um, got a Timmy Taylor's landlord and said, what do you want for it? Uh, and swapped me some rare beers from Maryland. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I shipped mine over, he shipped his over. Impressive, you know, something that you can get everywhere, you pay a small amount mm. of money for here. It was so in demand. But I suppose that's still, you know... It's, it works both ways. I mean, way, the, it, yeah. there, are, there are some beers here that... Um, I see sold as single bottles, mm. um, as if there's something special, and you can get them in six packs in the States. I mean, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which is mm. nice, and um, in fact I had one just the other day, but that's much cheaper and mm. not seen as being anything particularly special. It's still a craft beer, mm. uh, it's, it wouldn't be put in the same category as a Bud or, or, or Corona, but uh, it's available all year round and you buy into the six pack. Mm. You wouldn't. You wouldn't bring it to a, a first Tuesday at Goose Island. No, that wouldn't impress no, anyone. No. Well, why have you brought this? Yeah. We've all, we all know what it tastes yeah. like. And shortly after that, then, I, I, I got into some of the American beer festivals. So mm. I did... Um, again, Rock Bottom did one, which was... Rock Bottom was a bit of a chain in the same way the Firkin pubs were chains. So there weren't that many of them, perhaps about 25 uh, across the Midwest of the States. And all the ones in the Chicago-ish area coming out to as far as Iowa and Kansas, um, they'd bring three beers from each of their um, brew pubs, mm. and they'd do it on the roof in February, where it's still really cold. Um, so they had some stoop and stew to keep people warm, and then all the beers were very high ABV beers. So the weakest would have been something like a winter warmer at seven. Yeah. But there were some, again, barley wines, Russian Imperial Stouts, uh, Imperial Porters, um, Hell's Lagers. Um, Are you paying per drink or something like that? Is it talking uh, to No, so it's, it, for that one was $25 and you could have as much as you wanted. Mm. Uh, and it was run for four hours. So that's, there were ooh, 20-odd beers there. You could easily have a sample of what one of each. What, what the size of the pour is it smaller than as much as you want, right. really. Um, but a third would be a typical pour, somewhere like that. Right. All the beer festivals, a bit less than a third, a, a gill or something right, around gill, those. Yeah. yeah. So after that one, and I, again, I was impressed by you can drink whatever you want. I wasn't sure what to expect. But beer festivals here, you could pay a tenner to get in, and you, all you'd get is a glass and one free drink. Mm. Those ones you got a glass and unlimited drinks. So Fobab, which is oh, well, still perhaps one of the two of my favourite in the world beer festivals that I've been to, uh, the festival of oak and barrel-aged beers. Wow. They typically have around 200. Uh, that one's not unlimited pours, but you get 12 pours. So it's 12 pours of things that are typically around 8% or higher, and some of them up to 15%. Uh, I did have a Utopias there once, which was 25%. Wow. Strongest beer in the world that's brewed without cracking, or um, what they call it, ice bocking. Yeah, is that still stand? Yes, yeah. yeah. But if you go, as I did, with four or five friends, and you, you work out what you each want, and you go your separate ways, come back with a beer, then you each tip each other's beer, so 
between four of you with 12 tickets each that's 48 beers some places will give you a freebie here and there if you're chatting to them mm. they'll let you taste another beer so you can clock up your numbers that way too and you can buy towards the end of it you can buy extra tickets but often some people are leaving absolutely um, off their rockers by then <laughs> and they've still got tickets left and they'll just give you their right. tickets as they're leaving so there's all sorts of ways to drink many many more yeah. than 12 beers so you said that was the second second beer festival yes and you said that was your second favourite uh, one, well, one of my top two uh, one of your top two so the other the other the, one or the other in your top two is which one is um, the brew pub shootout Chicagoland brew pub shootout and that's only you can only go there if you're a member of the Chicago Beer Society happens in January and a lot of the brew pubs around Chicago uh, will brew a special beer and make a special dish that um, uses the beer and also perhaps make a a food that pairs with the beer so you get to vote uh, on best beer best food best pairing Uh, in fact it might be for the foods it might be for the desserts might have a separate category Mm -hmm. too so I I think there's probably around 15 brew pubs each with three beers each with a main and each with the desserts you're $25, $30 $25, $30 ticket entry lets you have as much food and drink as you want. So their, their dessert, sorry, their main is is made on a large platter and you can just take it or you, uh, you they, order they, it? They, they do little 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 portions, so yeah. rather than a burger it would be a yeah, slider. Okay, yeah. But if you liked it and wanted to go back for a second, yeah. that would be fine. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't want to do that because you you want to taste everything. Yeah. And if you have just one of everything, you'll, you'll almost certainly be full. And then... Another one up there is Day of the Living Ales, which is um, $35. That's got a charcuterie and fromagerie board, um, and some things, some pizza and things, some other nibbles which come with the ticket. But all the beers there are cask, which is quite oh, wow. unusual. Um, or if, they're, if they're not all cask, then they're all uh, they've all got living yeast in. Yeah. I think they're all cask though. I think that's the point of it. Need to go again. Yeah. <laughs> on, go for it. And you still have. When you go back, you go back every summer now, don't mm. you? And you still meet up and have beer, beer adventures, beer fun. So, so last time I went back, last uh, well, the last summer I was back in 2014. Um, we went to the Great Taste of the Midwest, which is a beer festival in. Madison in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and that's huge it's an outdoor one, absolutely huge Um, and that's an unlimited pour one as well as as well as as the Uh map with all the different uh, breweries on and all the beers they can have there are some timed releases because they know they wouldn't last all day so um, Surly Darkness um, barrel aged version might only be available from one o'clock and you need to be there at one o'clock because it almost certainly wouldn't be there at one thirty. it was like that at, at a craft beer rising this year i told yeah. you they had yeah. bcs on at three o'clock and at four o'clock so not for long no. only for a matter of minutes each time so and there are sometimes beers they don't announce as one i went to um where the utopias the 25 percent mm-hmm. sam adams one i mentioned that that was available but uh, only for a short time, and I only heard it because somebody told me whilst I was waiting for the loo. 
<laughs> Did you manage to get to it? Uh, I think I was the first person not to get one. Oh, no. And all oh, the, the second person not to get one, the first person not getting one, or the last person getting one, maybe, was allowed to keep the bottle, which itself is quite an artefact. I mean, the bottle mm. full of beer sells for $250. Wow. But uh, it looks a bit like... I don't know, Bailey's bottle kind of shape or a bit like a still, but it's in copper in colour. Nice. I would keep it if I had one. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> what year did you return to the UK? Um, I, well, I came back pretty much every summer for a few weeks, uh, but I finally returned in 2013. And did you notice from when you left, from when you left the UK, Drinking, landlord, and, uh, and Carlsberg export. Did you, did you notice gradual changes in the summers you were coming back? Were you managing to find different beers, or was it just when you returned? Um, there was a whilst I was away, there was a beer shop that opened in Otley uh, that unfortunately then closed uh, afterwards right. uh, after a few years. You used to be able to fill a growler there, which is something that was popular in the states mm -hmm. I hadn't seen over here. Um, and particularly you can fill it with beer, um, not just cider. Mm -hmm. And they had lots of bottles of things that you couldn't normally get. And they started to get a few American ones, so there were three Goose Island ones, I remember, that were available. And what I know now, of course, this was the beginning of the end for, for Goose Island being independent, because mm -hmm. they, they got themselves to Britain by using um, Budweiser's distribution network yeah. in exchange for some shares or ownership. And that was the beginning of Budweiser's yeah. big buyout of Goose Island. So yes, I was seeing I was seeing a few changes here and there. But in addition, I, I had a spy. Um, my brother-in-law Nathan came. Oh well, uh, uh, my sister and him and their, their kids came over to to see us. And I'd told him before that I felt American beer was the best in the world. And if not that, then Belgian. But they're the only two that, in my eyes, stood and stand mm. anywhere close to being the best in the world but after being there uh, he, he agreed with me he was a, a convert so he was feeding back to me things that he'd had here mm. that uh, he thought I would really like in particular some American style IPAs which there was there was nobody in Britain making anything mm. close to an American style IPA uh, when I left or on any of my visits he put together a box of beers for me for when I arrived uh, as my birthday present. Excellent. So that included things like Jester IPA, yeah, one, uh, yeah. which was that was nice, and um, uh, Oakum. Right. Yeah. yeah. Citra. Um, that Citra. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, I think a Saltair one, a couple of Hard Knot beers. Right. Uh, Thornbridge. Cuboid, I think maybe, and a yeah, Thornbridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Thornbridge, definitely yeah. a Thornbridge. Japer, maybe. Yeah. In fact, I, I think. Some of them he wanted to have with me, <laughs> uh, uh, and I think the two Japer ones, the, the double IPA and the IPA Halcyon, yeah. I think yeah, is the yeah, other yeah. one, and see what I thought about them. It's been some real catch-up, hasn't yeah. it? The, oh, Ilkley having then. a brewery. That, that was yeah. something that was yeah. new when I left, and when I, when, I le when, I, when I left Britain, Ilkley didn't have any brewery. And when I arrived in Chicago, Chicago had Goose Island and Rock Bottom. And I think there was, might be one or two out in the suburbs, uh, uh, like Flossmoor Station. But when I left Chicago, I could easily name, in 2013, easily name 20 breweries mm. around and in Chicago. 
that weren't there when I left, when I arrived. And now I come back here and the small town of Ilpa's got two. Mm -hmm. So I think there was a third when... Uh, oh, Ben Ridding Brewery had, yeah. Yeah, yeah a golden, a golden era for LS29 yeah. <laughs> uh, beer. Yeah, and you don't have to go far to reach a lot more. Ilkley didn't have a beer festival when I left? Yeah. No. No, not that I'm aware of. Certainly not King's Hall sized one. <clears throat> but I think I've sometimes been to Otley Beer Festival and sometimes been to Salt Air Beer Festival. Mm. No, that was it. Leeds International Beer Festival was a bit of a revelation mm. going there uh, that first time. Yeah, man, that first year we went yeah. there was something special, that wasn't it? Really good. Yeah, we'll definitely go back this year. Yeah, man, I'll be working it most of the time. We'll have already had Darren and Maria, the two of the organisers, on the podcast by mm. by this by the time this episode comes Excellent. out. Talking about this year's this year's episode this year's uh, festival. That's what, man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks yeah. for spilling the beans about your you're welcome. The, the, American I, adventures. The only other thing that I'm not sure chronologically where it fits, but let's say somewhere around 2006 and seven, was when. I was with um, I was shopping with Francis and we were in a place called Bed Bath and Beyond and it was with lots of things that I was not particularly interested mm. in uh, oh look there's a new shower curtain yeah. mm -hmm. yes and I guess they're probably aware that there might be stereotypically a few bored husbands uh, in a similar boat uh, so one of the sections of the shop had a beer making kit in it and I thought oh that could be a Christmas present for me so uh, dropped some hints and it ended up being a, a Christmas present for my uh, mother-in-law. Right. Uh, and uh, I was determined not to let it be something that just gathered some dust as a, a passing fancy. So after two or three months of it lying there, I thought, no, I'm not just going to put it in the cupboard and shelve it. I'm, I'm going to bloody use it. Um, so, so I did. And I think that, that certainly, I think, might have helped me on my... Uh, on my Mm -hmm. journey to um, beer nerdery and did you keep up the brewing um, yes se uh, semi-regularly I'd, I'd say about five or six times a year uh, it was much better when I got to the point where I could do two at the same time as well when I got myself a se second tub I realise now what I had was very elementary equipment and mm -hmm. certainly the first few brews I did were very very kit mm -hmm. but um, I think there's definitely a place, place for that and I think I I probably wouldn't have been able to handle anything more complicated than that. Definitely, that's a real good step for, for people who have never done it before, just to, yeah. just to start to experience certain stages of the process. And yeah, along with that, and the, the thought that you know whatever I do, I'll get better at it, I certainly didn't want the disappointment of having a load of beer I didn't really want to drink. Mm. So I set the bar really low. I thought, I, what I want for my first batch is at least to be as good or better than Budweiser. And, and it was. <laughs> So, yes, again, I, I hope that you're, you've uh, you've redressed those standards now. Uh, well, each time you want to make it a, a little bit better or better than you so last. What you, so what are you what do you want to now? Oh, well, I, I, I'm at least a um, a Bud sixty six. <laughs> no, it's a Bud classic. <laughs> Bud select. Have you ever done a Clamato? Uh, that's yeah, I certainly have a, a zero star beer. Yeah. One of only three. You've never made one that Clamato level. I, if I, I made hope. a Clamato beer, I'd like to think it wouldn't be zero star, but <laughs> I find it hard, even if I 
I thought hard about it and made it as palatable as I could <laughs> and was entirely successful in all my endeavours, it'd be more than a 0.75. That's, a, that's, a, that's the glass ceiling, is it, for yes. Clamato? Well, uh, I, I could yet be surprised. Doesn't sound very good to me, mate. No. Well, yeah, thanks very much. Cheers, Cocker. Well, you're welcome. Good one. So that was our little chat with Tom under a gazebo on a rainy Saturday afternoon. Our first non-professional, I suppose, to be interviewed for the for the podcast, but with as valid a place as anyone else. You might have heard early on that Tom referenced his lovely wife, Francis. Francis now lives over in the UK and she's not a massive drinker but we were at a party the other week and they'd been making some pineapple vodka and she decided just to go for it We'd, everyone had been having shots of this pineapple vodka it was quite late on and she decided just or someone decided on her behalf to pour a half a pint of this bloody pineapple vodka so I took a, a sneaky little video of her while she was well she was drinking it and up oh, up to now, at the time of recording it, she doesn't know that this this video or audio exists. So I've not decided whether to tell her before it comes out or not, because I might be in it for a right pasting if she finds out about it and I've not told her, so... I don't know. What should I do, do you think? After this episode's come out, I will report back if you've got any interest at all whether I got a pasting or not. Well, I'm not drunk, but I'm, I'm cheap when it comes to getting a little You're a cheap, cheap date. Yeah, I'm a cheap date. <coughs> I don't know. What do you think? Oh, the water that's in the fridge. Iced water. Ginger ale. Be lovely. Pineapple and ginger. Broke yeah. ginger and pineapple. Yeah. I'd go with that. I think it's worth a try. I think it's worth a nice treat. I think it'll work. Yeah. Have you got plenty of ice in there to carry off? Yeah, okay. See, I like a cocktail. Don't take any fucking pictures of me. I'm take one when you have a drink. <laughs> Don't. Oh, she's smelt it. She's smelt it already. <laughs> like, <laughs> take one. She's getting angry already. She's really good. I'll just take you one. You just tends to me back up. <laughs> I'll, I'll, just, I'll just take one. Just have oh, one little sip. I'll take that one and that's it. Job done. Okay. Thomas. Okay. <laughs> Thomas! See? Thomas! Thomas! Thomas. <laughs> it's my immediate reaction <laughs> when someone pisses me off is to say Thomas! <laughs> you sound like a woman from um, Tom and Jerry movies. Thomas! <laughs> Thomas is a mouse! <laughs> Get off! <laughs> Don't stop with uh, these uh, fucking chairs. <laughs> well, okay, I'll take one. I'll take one. No. What are you going to do with that picture? No, just, just, it's just for prosperity. It's for the family album. I'll put, I'll put nice little pissed up ramble for you there. I love it how as soon as something happened to piss her off, she immediately, she immediately, her instinct was to assume it was Tom who was, who was creating the, creating the nuisance. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. If you guys want to contact us, you can do that via Twitter at TapLensPodcast or you can email us if you've got a bit more to say at TapLensPodcast at gmail.com. And to finish off today, it is John from Runaway Brewery. If you heard last week's podcast, you'll have heard us chat with Mark, the owner-operator, and John is his right-hand man. He's the other guy on the ground on the day-to-day when I turned up to speak to Mark, he, Mark was just busying himself a little bit in the brewery, but John was sat down just finishing his dinner. I think he was working his way through some shredded iceberg lettuce, if I remember rightly. And he was he was happy to let me fire the mics up and have a little chat whilst he was on his break, so I appreciate that. And I wanted just to yeah pop that in as well. I thought it's a nice little bit of nice little bit of recording, so why not why not squeeze that in? So here it is. At a, a brew tap event over at Blackjack yeah. Brewery over the road, and bumped into Mark, who's uh, yeah, uh, who was at the time he was looking for somebody to come in and do do odd bits and yeah. I had some time on my hands, so I did odd bits. You weren't mates prior to that. No, you? no, uh, it's absolutely by chance. Yeah, got introduced through somebody mm. mutual, and um, yeah, that's sort of how I ended up coming here and then ended up staying. For as long as I have, which is back when? Interesting. Uh, that would have been 2014. Yeah, right. summer 2014. Right. So really early days of, of, of is that really early days of runaway that? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's early days in terms of the produ- in terms of production yeah. on site, but in in terms of the the business, like, yeah. they've been going along, you know, yeah. a while before that and doing all the research and things. Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't involved in any of that. But yeah, come in and now I yeah I brew a lot. <laughs> are, are, are you? Uh, brewing yourself or exclusively are you, are you sharing the responsibility or yeah we share the responsibility um, but in terms of day to day operation here I predominantly do most of yeah. the most of the production of wort if you like yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we both look after fermentation yeah. and we, uh, Mark generally speaking will um, provide me with a recipe and I'll we'll, we'll talk about how to brew it and then yeah. one of them it's a one man job really so yeah. Yeah, I, I free Mark up to do other things by being able to do that. Yeah. So that's how it how it works, eh? Yeah. Nice. It's good. 
So, and is the generally just the, the pair of your hands on? In, in, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have one other um, employee who does three days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Darren, who's the financial director, who looks after all of that side mm-hmm. of things, which is a full-time job in itself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, that's, that's pr- pretty much it. We have a sort of rotating cast of people who can come in and give us a lift if we've got any, any you know, backlog of... Yeah of things that need doing we do have a list of people that, that turn up and help us out when we need them so yeah it's quite it's quite a close-knit tight little team at the moment and, and what and yeah. what's your have you personally got a, a style or you like to brew or, or to drink or is there anything that, that particularly drives you within the within the, uh, the business I guess it's a it's a um, it's a twofold answer really because I like the challenge of producing our core range consistently over and over again, yeah. managing to make it, um, you know, something that people will recognise and, and and enjoy as as um, as for example, runaway pale ale. Mm-hmm. Like if that's the same every time someone goes to drink it, I'll be happy with that. That's yeah. a challenge in itself, even though you're brewing that once every ten days, I think at the moment. Um, but then the other side of the coin is that when we do collaborations and special um, special beers that aren't our core range, or we do our seasonal beers, and the challenges to um, is to turn turn your skills onto that really. That's so they're both equally interesting. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I do see what you mean. You know, that it, it, it's fun to be able to experiment and and create new and exciting beers, but to get that consistency is very, very you know tough, especially in the early stages. You know, to, to, to get that right, that's, that's, that's good. It's a good thing to be able to to, to do right. Yeah, and we hope, but yeah, we, we, that's what we're kind of striving, yeah. striving yeah. for. Yeah. Cool, man. Wicked. That's all right. Thanks, mate. No worries. So, t- so t- what, tell us what you're on with currently. What you what you're brewing today? Today, um, I'm brewing a summer saison, which is uh, our uh, take on kind of Belgian mm-hmm. style saison. Um, nice and light, fruity. Yeah. What are you yeah. putting fruit in there? Uh, no, it'll just be the yeast character. Right. We'll give it, give it, uh, give those nice. Uh, esters yeah. will come out and be uh, yeah, give it a nice kind of fruity background profile. Um, we don't, we're not dry hopping it with anything no. or doing anything particularly special to it. Yeah, yeah, just got some what, what, some nice what, noble hops in yeah. there. Give it a bit of spice. What temperature are you fermenting your saisons at? Um, we tend to we make sure that we don't go over maybe twenty seven right. degrees, yeah. but um, uh, we don't do it un, totally uncooled, yeah. but. Because we've got a production schedule to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to a day yeah. too, yeah. so yeah. it can be it can be a slow slow burner, yeah. can't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we try and get them started around 20, yeah. 20, 21 degrees Celsius, maybe, and then they kick on from there quite quite quickly. But then, um, yeah, the sort of I've got two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I need a boil end sample. Well. If you guys need to, you know, if you need to go, man, don't don't worry about 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 that. You know, if you need to get back to the brew, don't Some let me. Very keep strange you. noise happening over there. What's that? All oh, right. Okay. Oh, you just brewing it once a year? Are you are you brewing it several times? The saison through through your your season? Uh, yeah. Well, kind of. Traditionally, with a saison, it would be brewed kind of, you know, in, the, in a colder temperature mm. and then released in the summer. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that it's a summer saison. Um, 
so the first time we brewed it this year would have been late March. Right. Last year we brewed it a little bit later, um, and as a result, we were trying to sell summer saison in September, and October, which um, you know. There's some, there's sometimes always... we get a nice Indian summer there sometimes, but you know it's not it's not the kind of fresh spring yeah. summer drink that yeah, that, yeah. It's, so it's, we've done it a bit earlier this year. What it's, that's what it's what it was. Uh, traditionally designed for, but I can drink, happily drink a Saison on Christmas Day. You know, and I, yeah. I, I, it's, it's one of my favourite styles, I'm a big big Saison guy. Mm-hmm. Are, are you doing any any, uh, any any courses, are you learning it exclusively on the job? Are you doing any training? Initially I learned exclusively on the job. Yeah. Um, uh, the brewery sent me on a course run, by, run at York Brewery, right. uh, which is an introduction to yeah. mini brewing, uh, run by a guy called David Smith, yeah. who's... Uh, Fairly well, he is well renowned yeah. in uh, in the industry. Um, I think more and more, a lot more people are. It's funny actually. Mark and I were having a similar conversation this morning. Yeah. We're talking about more and more people are looking to get qualified in in an industry that has become um, more professional mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, especially at a micro level. You know, yeah. we kind of it's one of the one of one of the kind of cornerstones of our ethos is that you know try and do these things professionally which is one of those aspects that we get from like the microbrewing culture in the United mm. States. We see a but, number of, yeah. of, of breweries. We're seeing all these new guys coming in and coming in, which is great. It's great for especially I, I always look at it from a point of view as a drinker. The more choice I've got the happier the happier I am. But you, you can see some subpar or you can you can find yourself drinking subpar beer and, and yeah. but you don't you never go back to it because there's so much good stuff out there and you need to be on on your game to keep yourself place in the market don't you absolutely I think that um, ties into what we were saying about consistency before yeah. um, I think for for the casual drinker um, thinking about quote unquote craft beer yeah. is is it can be quite an intimidating prospect um, but if you have for example, what we do with our product is we try and we try and make sure that our beer is as good as possible, mm-hmm. and it's not um, it's not marketed in a way that is, you know, promoting a niche or or you know even mm-hmm. a cleat sometimes. Yeah. Try and make sure that we're making really good beer that yeah. people are going to enjoy and be able to come back to. Um, so, yeah, it's for us it be a, it would be very um, not very I guess it would be be disappointing if we had a beer out there that wasn't as good as mm-hmm. as our as our core range um, and it, frankly it would be unlikely because we do so much QA here that yeah. you know we have to be really happy with what leaves the building because part of what we do here is that we um, we do bottles and kegs we don't we don't we don't do cask beer no. um, so that has a, you know kind of there's a few a few uh, advantages and disadvantages to doing that. The advantages are that you know our beer can keep longer, we keg mm-hmm. condition, we don't force carbonate. So uh, just getting that in there. Mark will talk about that. I yeah. thought. Um, but yeah, advan- advantages to doing to doing keg beer are that we can, we can keep it uh, fresher, longer. It can stay on the pump, on the keg font yeah. a lot longer than a cask beer. The shelf oh, yeah. life's really good yeah. for, for for landlords and, and and people who run bars and that. So. That's that's one advantage of it. Um, Disadvantage-wise, though, it means that because they stay around a bit longer, that if we've got a beer that hasn't been, been you know, particularly, you know, the best example of something that we've done, it'll be there a lot longer 
and people might have there's a much larger window for people to mm-hmm. try that beer and form an opinion about yeah. us so whereas I'm not suggesting that this happens um, you know with I'd hope it doesn't happen with regularity but if you do get a, a, a batch of beer or a gale of beer in your cask brewery mm-hmm. you can send that out and it can be it can be blamed on any number of factors yeah. from, from leaving the brewery to being served um, you know and it can and also a, an advantage of doing cask in that regard is that if, if you do have one that's not quite that shining example of that style that you produce it can be well it has to be gone between mm-hmm. you know yeah. three you know it's, in three days it's, it's in and out yeah, it's, it's gone not, people it's have not forgotten be about it because yeah. if it is standing around then it's definitely going to be yeah exactly undrinkable yeah so there's that, that's a challenge based on what we said before about consistency that's that's why we've got to be consistent and that's why we can't afford to be in a position where we 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 have any any beer that's you know below yeah. below our par so and are you uh do you consider yourself one way or the other are you a cask or a keg man like for drinking i'll drink anything me yeah. i'm not it's not it's not a it's not sort of a like a, an anti-cast no, mission statement no. by any stretch of the imagination. It's a, it's a production and um, it's a, it's not a, it's not like an aesthetic kind of political issue. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean, it's not more, for you, but for some people. Yeah, for, for some people it yeah. is, and we we have um, because of the way that we we keg condition, everything comes out after packaging. It gets primed and it goes in the warm yeah. room. Yeah. Because we use key kegs as mm-hmm. a product, it means that we can we can allow. We can allow our yeast to go through a secondary mm-hmm. fermentation and provide the carbonation that that way. And actually, camera, the camera executive earlier on this year uh, decided that the particular method of us doing that—I mm-hmm. mean, it's so semantic—but yeah. in some ways it's semantic. In some ways, it's, in some ways, it's absolutely right. Um, but the, the particular method of our dispense using those kegs and the method that we've used to carbonate mm-hmm. it has meant that they've been very progressive and decided that what we do is real ale. Yeah. So we were invited to the Manchester Beer and Cider Festival Excellent. and had a bar there, yeah. you know, that was, it was keg, mm-hmm. all of our stuff was served yeah. on keg, which is quite, I guess, is, I, would, I would consider that to be progressive. Definitely. And it's, um, yeah, I agree, some, yeah. some people have a different view <laughs> and consider that to be quite controversial. Um, and that's, that's absolutely fine. It's not, you know, we're, we're producing beer in exactly the same way as a cask brewery would, except we don't, Put, we don't put it into mm-hmm. a cask. And what was the the general reception like from the drinkers? Were you there? Were you on the bar? At the, uh, the yeah, festival? yeah, we were. Mark and I were both on the bar, um, and it was it was fantastic. You yeah. know, we got we were very well received, and of course we got there's a few questions from from people who have been, you know, the vanguard of, of that yeah. particular organisation for years who might who might have some scepticism, but it's not, you know, it wasn't. Oh, you shouldn't be here. This is evil filth, which is, you know. But yeah, that's good though, that the, yeah. because there has been the, that sentiment has been there, hasn't it? You know, people, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and those guys did a bloody good thing. They they saved that yeah. and 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 fair play to them. Hats off to yeah, them. Yeah. And I can see why they're, they're so precious over it. Totally agree. And, and it, but and it's yeah. not in danger of going. It's not in danger of being swept under the carpet in favour of an inferior mass-produced keg product. You know, it's not that as much. Effort goes into this as goes into any any uh, any cast beer. Exactly, and um, and we, uh, yeah, just our, our particular method of doing that is, you know, uh, fulfills their criteria for, yeah. for, for for real ale, and we've had it sort of officially ratified that that's the case. That's that's a really good feeling good. to feel that you yeah. know we're not, you know, we're not damaging their industry yeah. in some way. You know, 
And actually putting the, putting that to one side, the, the styles that we that we that we brew and the method of um, the method of getting it to to our customers and where our beer mostly ends up, it actually falls into um, some of the categories that Camera agreed were good ideas to, to promote what they wanted, wanted more women to drink beer, right. wanted more young people to drink yeah. beer, and that's exactly, we're producing hopefully a completely non-threatening, non-intimidating, mm. you know, as, you know, kind of examples of, of, of beer styles that hopefully people will, will return to. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and carry on drinking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing but positive for the for the beer industry. Definitely, I mean, there can never be too many good beers. Choices, choices yeah. are a good thing, and that's comes comes into you and I were having a conversation before about um, the, the the brewing community in Manchester. Like, we're mm. not in competition with each other, you know, because we're all we've all got the same the same goal. And the same goal everyone's got is that we want to produce good beer that reflects our mm-hmm. our personalities and and what and what aspects of the of the um, industry that we individually like and respect and um, yeah that's that's a good thing we're all pushing in the same direction it's what we want it's what we want man it's, it's yeah. I think it's sometimes it's easy to get very protective over something that you hold dear that's and, right and we it, and it, it's if, if every bar in the country has suddenly got amazing Crap, it's difficult. I do find it difficult to say craft beer. It does sound a little bit wanky, but if everyone has got, yeah. if everybody in the country has got craft beer on tap, and it's not just an exclusive little club for, for well, now a growing number of people, it's that's I don't, you know, I don't care. That's a good thing. If everyone's drinking great beer, if we can, can limit this, the, the sales of, of, of shit, <laughs> un, almost unpalatable beer, then, then yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I did. You're drinking our Mars and Lager right now as, we, as we're having this chat, and um, I, I remember when I first served that to somebody. Um, I, when I first started working here, mm. I worked part time for Blackjack Brewery's Bar yeah. in Market House in Altrincham, yeah. which is uh, which is a great great spot, great little bar, and um, but obviously it's a full of full of breweries and brands that people didn't recognise so I had a gentleman who came and asked for a pint of lager and I said well we don't have what you know we don't have a pilsner yeah. we've got a marzen lager um, you know nice malty kind mm. of backbone to that and um, uh, he was like oh go on I'll try it so he tasted it he was like okay yeah I'll take a pint of that and so he took a pint of that and, he, and then he came back later on and said um, you know I'm going to have another pint of that but it's not lager you know <laughs> I'm like well okay <laughs> it's not what you know it's yeah lager. it's exactly yeah. and that was and that was the thing that you've got you've got to be delicate and receptive to those to those um, it'd be very easy to turn around to that person and say, oh you don't know what you're talking yeah. about you know that's that's you know that's your problem it's not it's, it's, the, it's yeah. the industry it's the industry's issue is to make sure that we're yeah we're, to, to educate and yeah or just or just to offer the offer the choice in the first place try it you might yeah. like it you know that's the, that's the thing and he did like it he drank it um, I did also have a customer who did exactly the same thing and, and then had an argument with right. us about that you know you know that this isn't lager I've been drinking lager for 40 years <laughs> oh well never mind I'm never going to be able to satisfy no. that person because it's not what they want so you know it's a, it's a challenge yeah it is it's a challenge yeah. man it's, and, and, it's, and it's and it's good it's, it's a journey for everyone, and, and and if and if in 50 years time we're we're all drink we're all demanding a, a product which has had thought put into it. It's flavoursome. It uses fresh ingredients, and it's not just produced 
quickly and easily for the sake of turning over turning over pound pound notes, then that's that's what we want. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, our our idea here is to produce just produce good beer. Yeah. You know, we we want to drink it and we want to make it in the right way and we want to make it in a way that suits me and Mark and our and the size of our yeah. you know brew plant. That's it. Yeah. Um, then that, that's what, what, what more could you could you ask for from from a brewery? That's if 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 as a drinker, if the people who are making the beer I'm enjoying are doing it because they like doing it, and they're they're and they're making what they feel is a great product, then that, that's good for me. Yeah. I'm yeah. Happy with that. Definitely. Cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers. There we go. That's another another podcast in the bag. My libaceous lovelies. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Thanks very much to John from Runaway for interrupting his dinner to have that little chat with us. Thanks to Tom and Francis for being involved. So thanks to Tom for agreeing to be involved. Hopefully Francis has agreed to be involved by this stage. Join us next time for the sixth and final episode of the first series of Taplens podcast where you'll be able to hear an interview we did with Christian Townsley. Christian's a great bloke and he was very accommodating in our pursuit of getting an interview for this podcast you'll be able to hear a little bit more about that next time there was a minor hiccup but it was surmountable fortunately so until then have a good one Taplands podcast is and always has been a back bedroom production so is Tapes and Tales and so is the Idiot Wind World Music Mixtape I encourage you to check them both out immediately 